Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Voices of Two Blocks podcast. This is now episode two. My name is Hermela. And my name is Jeanette. And today we are here with a special guest, Tariq Campbell, the current Senior Diversity and Inclusion Manager at Microsoft. Today, we welcome you all back to Season Block Season 2. As always, we will be addressing our through-line question, can and should corporate entities play a greater role in our education? So, hi, Tariq. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. I'm awesome. doing well. Just a little bit cold from this New England winter, but yes. doing all right. For sure. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's just uh, jump into it. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and your p- path to becoming Senior Diversity and Inclusion Program Manager at Microsoft. Sure. Happy to. And and again, thank you both very much for having me thank on this you. episode. I really appreciate it. And I really believe in the work that you, uh, your fellow students um, and uh, Innovators for Purpose is doing. Um, so a bit about me. So I am currently, as you said, the senior program manager for diversity and inclusion um, with Microsoft New England. Uh, we have an office in Kendall Square. It's a research and development office. So a lot of engineers, uh, data scientists, researchers. And I basically drive a lot of diversity, equity and inclusion programs mm-hmm. and activities and even community engagement there, both internally, but then a lot of external engagement with different kinds of uh, organizations, nonprofits, schools, uh, whether it be, you know, K through 12 or it be colleges and universities and even programs that that aren't necessarily in that, you know, tight pipeline as well. Um, and, you know, outside of work, I am just a regular <laughs> Bostonian here. <laughs> I actually am a bit of a transplant. Uh, I originally come from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in Boston now for about 17 years, so a while, uh, uh, maybe longer than you. I don't know. <laughs> but um, uh, I really love it here a lot. Um, I actually have a younger sister who also moved from New Jersey here um, a little while back, but uh, she lives in Dorchester now and she has a daughter. So little by little more, my family members are growing out here um, and I really, really love it a lot. Um, culturally, my background is Jamaican, Jamaican-American mm-hmm. really, but you know, a lot of pride in my Caribbean heritage, the food, the music, the culture, all of that. And so I like to, you know, sometimes give people more than just my professional self, you know, the real human being side of it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys know or not, but Tariq has been with IFP and Two Blocks as a whole since really it was the started. Yeah. Since the beginning, you've been to our <laughs> design reviews. You were really one of our foundational members, and we really thank you for that. And so you have seen Two Blocks flourish from the beginning stages. So we wanted to ask you what attributes of Two Blocks have really resonated with you and what aspects have brought you back to your, have you brought back to your work in Microsoft, in Microsoft if any? Yeah, that was a great question. Um, two blocks to me is a really interesting and important concept and a pretty revolutionary one as well, because I think like from what I'm seeing in that concept, it's really demanding of any observer to get out of their own perspective, right? And to really acknowledge like from the different perspectives, how people are seeing what's happening in Cambridge when you're looking at, yes, the rapid technological and economic development, but also the lack of that and the lack of inclusion and participation in that as well. Um, And me being a transplant, I remember coming to Boston and not really knowing much, Mm. right? Not knowing much about the history of Boston and of Cambridge, not knowing about the different communities that are here and, you know, the the lives of people, of real people here. You know, when I came, it was for engineering school. I went to MIT and I was fortunate to do that. But that gave me one side of the two blocks perspective, right? And and a privilege to be on the side that was already participating in a lot of the, you know, rapid technological development, you know, great companies and whatnot. And one of the reasons why I stayed in Boston after graduating is because I really did love the community out here, right? Like not just the employers, right? The the, the geeks and the nerds, um, but really the people who are homegrown here and who have roots and history here. And and by really like getting to know and making really great friends out of people here, I learned that it's it's not all equitable, right? And there hasn't been a lot of um, you know inclusion and equal participation in the benefits of having schools like MIT and Harvard or companies like Microsoft and Google and biotech companies here too. And so when I heard about this concept, it really did resonate with what I've learned 
from so many friends that I've made who grew up out here in Cambridge, um, literally in the projects right outside Kendall Square, uh, and who know what it's like growing up in that life and that environment and never having that door open to them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what Two Blocks is doing and what you students are doing is incredible and necessary, right, in order to try and make that door open up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, with everything that we're doing, the workshops and all, it really is going to create value for everyone to do that. Definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think you touched on a point around equity, and that's one of our pillars within two blocks is just providing equitable access. And that's like embedded in a lot of our questions that we pose. And I think that's what makes I feel like two blocks unique is our way of wanting to reach out and take perspectives of different people. One thing we always repeat consistently, consistently is that we cannot make decisions or inform decisions without having those affected at the table. Exactly. So I think that's one of the major things in this issue is that we have so much at stake and so many stakeholders that we need to get there each of their positions, not just us as students, but you guys as businesses and the city as well. So I think that's what we're trying to do, especially through this podcast and the various people we have interviewed and will continue to interview is just getting their take and their perspective and how their even their personal life and attributes plays into this. Because I think a lot, everyone has something to bring or has some relation to this issue. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, just adding on to that, we want to make sure that the voices of those who are impacted are centered. And a lot of the time we notice that those voices, those the voices that decisions are being made for are never really at the table when they're created. And this is really just our way of making sure that we kind of bring that to light and fix that issue in itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So touching back on the idea of workshops, um, Tariq recently attended a workshop that we hosted at Google, which is very exciting. So it was an off branch of the summit that we held in May. So we wanted to ask you, what are a couple of your takeaways from the workshop and what did you think went well compared to previous meetings we have held in the past? Yeah. The, the workshop, I was really grateful to be invited to that. The fact that you all, you know, worked together to get that set up. And then, you know, you were present there as well, mm -hmm. right? Part of that conversation, like you're saying, centering voices that need to be a part of this conversation. Um, it was really great to, to be exposed to CSV, you know, creating shared value and have someone who who professionally works in the space of trying to educate businesses and you know other types of folks about CSV be able to really teach us about that because it is a new concept for me, right? Um, I have read the Harvard Business Review before, <laughs> and you know I like to learn about new concepts and things like that, and yet that is new to me. Even with it, I guess being originated back in like 2011, I think, yes. right? I was like, wow, I, I hadn't heard of it since then, mm -hmm. um, and so it was really great to get that introduction to it. Um, I was really happy to see a, a real diversity of uh, perspectives and roles in the room. You know, people who are part of the private, the business sector, people who work in education, students as well. You know, I think it's really important to bring all these different perspectives together because oftentimes we're only seeing the way we do things, the mm -hmm. way we live, what mm -hmm. work or what study looks like to mm -hmm. us. And it's easy to think, well, once we have a conversation, everyone will just get the way I do it, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, and sure. it'll just fit like a like an easy, simple puzzle or something. Mm -hmm. and, and that's actually probably not the case, right? You know, in ways we are siloed um, and that's not a great thing, but you know, we're just heads down doing what we do day to day, every day. Um, and so I think it's good to take us out of our own comfort zones, our own boxes, and start to engage and understand, wow, so this is what you do as a student every day, day to day, right? This is what your schedule is like. These are the things you care about as a teacher or an administrator in the city government who's working in education as well. Like those mm -hmm. are things that are going to be new to me and they're going to inform me a lot. So having that workshop and, and this place for us to basically have that conversation, begin that conversation, because I think it'll be a long one necessarily but one where we all start to really get on the same page and can arrive at some ideas that we all can agree on that work out for everyone. Yeah. 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 I'd love to echo like a couple of things you said, like even that whole like we always think about the idea that the businesses are in business to do what they're they're selling a product or selling a trade or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. And the schools are meant to educate. So we get a lot of questions on like, why are you trying to bridge the two together? And like, how can this help this? And it's really interesting to think about because that's how that's 
how it's been for all these years. So we're really trying to break that cycle and see that we can help the businesses and the businesses can help us. So that's something that's really unique. And even like the whole idea like of everyone's doing the same thing every single day, even as students, that's something we can relate to is that we're so we're consistently even being a junior right now in high school, consistently stuck in this bubble of like every single day we're doing the same exact thing with no like nothing new, you know? So I think even as a student that gets like boring and, and as someone who has a lot of passions and um and drive, I, I really want to just explore my options. And although like four years seems like a long time to like think about what you want to do and really dial in and scope in on it, it's not. And it yeah. goes by really fast. I can agree with that. So uh, <laughs> it's just crazy to think like just in a blink of an eye, I'm almost done with high school. And it's like, oh my God, I could have done so many things and like there's so much time, but it's like going by like super fast. So I think that's really interesting to think about and how we can leverage even this unique perspective in Cambridge is that right down the street, we have all these businesses Mm -hmm. so they can really proactively play a role in our school day and and even just breaking that routinely cycle. Um, So I think that's another attribute we want to touch on. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, just like the two of you said, we're trying to break like this bubble phenomena is what we really call Mm -hmm. it. And it's the idea that everybody like you said mm-hmm. they kind of have their own roles the business community in Kendall focus on making profits on keeping their business up and running while the school community in the city they all have different intentions and are kind of blindsided from how we can really all work together to achieve something that can benefit every single sector of the city and that's really where our problem comes in but like you said learning all this was a new concept to you and by doing these workshops and by doing as much as we can to kind of make sure people are educated about this and can leave their bubble to therefore make sure that we can all work together to create a solution that benefits us all is really what we're trying to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll just like touch on one more thing before we get into the next question, which is super related to the workshops, is the notion of just understanding like as a business and as like as one city. I think that's something that we're really trying to within season two bring awareness to is that whole notion of one Cambridge. A lot of the time we have Kendall Square, which is an amazing sector. We don't want to discredit that. And nowhere else in the world is that a thing right now but obviously over the next couple of years there's just all these innovation popping up all over the world which is very fascinating but I think Cambridge is unique with all these with Harvard, MIT, the um, education institutions and even just like a normal city in the background of that mm-hmm. and how we can we can play a role in that yeah. so I think a lot of the time we have Cambridge on the map for Kendall Square, Harvard, MIT, which is amazing. But then when you dial back and see what the residents of the city have to say about this, it's not so positive as you may think. So I think that's even as a student growing up in the shadows of Kendall Square, it's interesting to see everyone around me talking positively coming from the outside but right. then on the inside that's again that whole bubble phenomena that we're yeah. talking about we're just like oh but we don't even know this exists we right. don't know right. Moderna's right down the street they right. created one of the COVID vaccines yeah. you know so I think that's super super like fascinating to me is that the residents are right down the street right in the same city but they're so disconnected as yeah. if mm-hmm. they're like all the way across the world so yeah yeah You want to get into the next question around CSR and CSV? (laughs) Let's move on. So at this workshop that we mentioned previously that was held at Google, we had a facilitator from FSG who Mm -hmm. came to kind of explain the business strategy that we call creating shared value. And we referenced this idea a lot throughout Tupac, throughout our podcast, and we define it as policies and practices that enhance the competitiveness of a company and this really focuses on improving the social and environmental conditions in the community that it operates in Mm -hmm. so it's an idea that you're not only focusing on how helping the community can benefit that business but you're also putting the priorities and um kind of like the so you have that social consciousness in mind and you have a need to help the community and are consistently doing it and this is an idea that we find completely different compared to csr which is corporate social responsibility and these are the policies undertaken by these corporations that are intended to have a positive influence on the world but they also work to maximize profits and see really the community as an additive and Mm -hmm. as a way to maximize those profits. So after explaining this, we wanted to ask you, what do you think it'll take for our corporations to move from the CSR mindset to the CSV or creating shared value mindset? 
Yeah, that's a that's a huge a big question. question. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know, I don't know that you know for corporations in general mm -hmm. that you know any one conversation is gonna like you mm -hmm. know move that big of the needle. You know, we we are definitely thinking about our community here in Cambridge. Um, but it's a really good question. And, you know, CSR is a feature of a lot of especially bigger and more established companies um, and a way to, you know, kind of give back to the community in a way that aligns to what you're saying. It's not necessarily embedded in their business models, mm -hmm. right? The business model may stand still mostly separate, right? But they're finding ways to still produce some kind of good through what they finance, what they fund, how they leverage employee time and resources, et cetera. Um, the CSV model is so interesting to me because it is about the business model, right? It's mm -hmm. trying to stay true to capitalism mm -hmm. in a sense, right? In in acknowledging what it is kind of built for, which is to help people produce to then make profits, right? But what they produce being in line with societal good and mm -hmm. creating positive societal impact. I think one of the big shifts there is not necessarily just coming from CSR to, uh, to CSV, but it's coming from the outlook that companies currently have in terms of their profits and how they produce. Uh, for a lot of companies, and not all large companies, but it's not very long term, right? Yeah. It's looking, and, and you can think of this almost in the financial quarter model, right? Mm -hmm. Every three months, especially for a company that's publicly listed on a stock exchange, mm -hmm. they have to report financial results every three months, right? And that's the that's how their feet are held to the fire, essentially, by the shareholders who invest and essentially own the company. And so the incentive comes from the shareholders saying, we want to see profit in three months, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's your outlook. That's your window right now. Um, and that's why you have a lot of companies who will make, you know, decisions that are only looking that far ahead or a couple of quarters or even just a few years. And if a company ever says, we have a five-year plan, that's, wow, they're mm -hmm. thinking five years mm -hmm. ahead of something? That's crazy, <laughs> right? So I think there needs to be a bit of a shift where that can still be taken into account because the way companies are modeled and built, it's going to be hard to just deconstruct that, right? Yeah, so sure. it has to acknowledge that that's going to be a powerful incentive regardless. But I think also pairing that with that long-term outlook, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we think about investing in a community's health or in their education, sometimes the payoffs for that will take a couple years, mm -hmm. maybe even a generation, yeah. right? For those things to really produce. But that also is going to really be rewarding for that company or that industry that five or 10 years down the line. They'll be so happy that they themselves or their predecessors mm -hmm. made those kinds of investments, yeah. right? And so, you know, I think every company wants to be around forever, I'm yeah. assuming, <laughs> you know? Like, sure, Twitter may have been started like 10 years ago, but I assume it wants to be here 100 years from mm -hmm. now, right? Yeah. And it should probably make good decisions in order to stay <laughs> that way. But that's really for any company. Um, and I think that's part of the shift that needs to happen for sure. And, you know, CSR has produced a lot of good. When I think about Microsoft specifically, there are initiatives like our racial equity initiative, mm -hmm. which a lot of that is CSR baked. But some of it, I would say, almost kind of aligns with CSV to an extent. Like when I think of like a CSV side of it. One of the things Microsoft's trying to do right now, and I've spoken with the people who are working on this initiative directly, is they're trying to teach digital skills to 50,000 people who are outside of the traditional pipeline of technology, mm -hmm. right? So what does it mean for a Microsoft when people have more technology skills? They're technology literate. They are technology savvy. They use technology products or they build technology products. That's going to be beneficial for Microsoft from like a productive capitalistic perspective, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, you're giving people skills to compete in a rapidly evolving digital economy. They'll be better off as well, yeah. right? That's so amazing. that's an, like an example, I think, where that sounds kind of aligned here, right? And we do have CSR initiatives are more philanthropic mm -hmm. as well. But um, I think you'll have to get, you know, companies thinking like, geez, like we need to solve some of these problems for the long term. Otherwise, they're really going to bite us in the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, yeah, that's so like that's an amazing that you bring that up. I think in our, our past um, episode that we have with Jess Pena, who is the HR manager at Tank Design, we were talking about the whole notion of checking boxes and mm-hmm. like a lot of this. This is where it, it gets like that fine line between CSR and CSV is like, are you doing this work just to check a box off and saying that you did it and la- having that label and that pride, or are you genuinely doing that work because you find like matter in that work you know what I mean so I think Mm -hmm. that's something that for us is hard to grasp with because I feel a lot of companies I'm not trying to discredit them and saying that they're not doing anything they are doing but I think it needs to they need to change the course on how they're doing as much as like they're evolving and 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 changing rapidly um which is something that I I want to dial in on a little more is that it's, it's amazing to me that the education system that is always evolving with students, but it stays the same. But mm. then we have the businesses who, like you said, are trying to stay around for so many years. They're consistently playing that card and trying to change and, and rebuild their identities and, and fit themselves that's with true. the times, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's super, that contrast of that is is very amazing because like now that I think about people that I've spoken to, even members of the school committee who have gone gone to CRLS, they're, they are, have been through the same things that I have, mm-hmm. but not in exactly. a positive sense. Yeah. Like they still were struggling with certain things and then I'm like, oh, that's the same thing that's <laughs> going on now. Yeah, that teacher, that class, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's really amazing to think that's yeah. like how how different those are. And I think that's something we can leverage to help the education sector, specifically in Cambridge, yeah. is just help them evolve. And, and having that business kind of mindset and embedding that within the schools is not something super traditional, obviously. Obviously, but I think that's something that going forward, I think I see and I project like an occurrence of. So yeah. I actually have a younger. So I mentioned my younger sister yeah. who is in Dorchester. She actually just started a job in BPS mm, as oh. a full time teacher this past Monday. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's Congrats to her. Yeah, so, you know, I feel like just with what you're saying, right, in my own family, there's going to be learnings that can be made yeah. back and forth, mm-hmm. right, about, you know, what the system is like that she's inside of right? yeah. mm-hmm. and, and how I'm seeing the one that I'm inside of and where are they very different probably, but also like what needs to be changed or advanced. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think everything you guys just said, I agree with. And I also think, Jeanette, you mentioned the idea of like investments. And I think that the difference that I see between CSR and CSV is when it comes to CSV, you really value the investment that you're making into this community. And there's a way that both sides can kind of come out of this situation with a win-win. Like taking the example that you did where you're educating 50,000 people who aren't in this typical technology pathway, not only are you equipping these people with knowledge of the internet, with the ability to kind of take this information that they've learned and help themselves, but you're creating, in a way, a value for your own business as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we want businesses to see. We don't want them to believe that this is a way that they're just like running their money, mm-hmm. that there's a way that this can benefit them as well. That's not only profits, but actual value as well. And like, just like one more thing on that too, is that a lot of the time numbers are used to quantify a lot of things in this world, as we know, (laughs) but that number, especially like, obviously it's going to help the company internally, but also externally and how people view it. When you think about Microsoft, even now just saying that there's like that wow factor. Oh, Microsoft is doing so much to educate 50,000 people. That's a lot of people. So even hearing that, that's like (laughs) rings bell, like that's like amazing. So, but I think a lot of the time that's like where sometimes for me, it gets confusing because I know hopefully the intent is good behind it but it's like i don't want it to make it seem like it's a label like i'm just saying 50,000, and then like yeah so that's like something that it's 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 interesting to grapple with um so on the on that note um we believe like educating today's youth requires multiple stakeholders um how do you think companies can facilitate our learning or play a role within it yeah yeah that's a really great question i and i think you know, before even attempting to answer that question, I think companies should play a role, Definitely. right? So not yes. just the how, <laughs> but I think they should. Um, you know, just thinking about my own, my childhood, and then when I went to high school and just knowing what subjects I loved mm-hmm. and then going into college, know what I wanted to study. And and kind of like you're saying, um, Jeanette, from like your four years, like you, you've done the same thing over mm. and over, right? I knew I wanted to eventually work in chemistry, which I don't right now. So don't, don't put that as a through line to where I am um, and be a chemical engineer. 
I didn't know anything about that type of job until mm, I got exactly. out of college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Even at MIT, you know, with what I was studying compared to when I actually got my first internship and then, you know, went into full time, I was like, these are still really different. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the the lack of um, I'd say engagement and, you know, just real awareness and depth of understanding of what careers can be you know, to a student, I think there's a real huge gap there. So to me, there's no doubt that companies need to be involved. And I know on some level, there are colleges these days who are pleading with companies, please come into, you know, talk to our college students mm-hmm. you need to basically catch up, you yeah, know, to yeah. what the industry is doing. I think that note about schools moving very slowly is probably mm-hmm. a little true. Um, that said, I, you know, I've read you know, the the uh, proposals and philosophies, you know, behind two blocks and where education from a career oriented perspective can come mm-hmm. in at much younger ages, yeah. too. And I think that's a real opportunity. Right. Um, we don't have to I don't have to it wouldn't be me, but one of my colleagues doesn't have to go into like a kindergarten classroom and start coding on the board. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think that's like what we're talking about. But, you know, every kid thinks about what they want to be when they grow up. Mm. Right. And I think there's there are ways that we can figure out what is the right kind of communication for different levels of development mm-hmm. as a child and as a young adult. Um, and how do you make different kinds of roles appeal? Right. I think the the ones that, you know, kids always grab to is like, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer or, you know, whatever kind of role that's like you see on TV or it's just more like, you know, tangible. But an engineer, like how can we make an engineer like a software engineer Mm -hmm. or a construction engineer Mm -hmm. or an architect? Right. Like how can we make roles like that appeal, be tangible and make kids want to ask more questions about it? Right. And I think, uh, you know, all this depends on real conversation and dialogue that that kind of meets teachers where they are, meets students where they are as well. If we could find a way, you know, eventually to even make learning more fun because students see how that can be used or eventually lead towards the careers that most excite them, right? Mm-hmm. Those prospects that excite them to eventually go in that direction. I think that'd be a huge win, you know, yeah. not just for, you know, the students who, you know, will now know more about those jobs, but for teachers who want their students to be engaged in the subjects mm-hmm. they're learning, right? And for companies, you know, it's that down the line CSV concept of like, wow, I think we have a generation of inspired students right now. I, I don't know if, if you've all discussed, but in the, um, in the software tech industry, we know there's actually a huge talent gap. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. most likely because... 10, 15, 20 years ago, we weren't doing this, Yeah. right? If we had inspired a generation, we wouldn't be in this place right now. We're mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. now we're trying to, you know, educate people who are already adults, already mm-hmm. need a job right now, but we should be thinking about the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years as well. Yeah. No, for sure. I think you touched on like that uh, whole pathways to potential thing where we're trying to ignite here at two blocks is the whole notion of that. We always talk about internships at the high school level and the college level, but I think that can be trickled down way younger than that. Mm-hmm. Even we're starting to think about kindergarten, K through five and, and yeah. eighth and middle school. So I think breaking that down and making it more feasible to students to to see themselves mm-hmm. in these spaces and yeah. see themselves like aspiring to, to do these amazing things. I think that's something that we can quantify. So like you said, Mon- mm-hmm. Microsoft trying to educate 50 over 50,000 people, that would be another statistic we could say potentially, I mean, hopefully, um, where we're we're trying to like educate this money of students and and we've provided a more feasible approach for right. this many students. So I think that's like where that inspiration and, and our hope um going forward is that we feel like this is not just a Cambridge thing. We want to use Cambridge as a framework. Mm-hmm. And I think this is present in a lot of communities in the state and outside of it as well. Um and just understanding like we need to prepare our generation for the future but also for the now. And that's yeah. something at AFP we always talk about is we are the future and we are the now. So I think mm-hmm. that's so amazing to think about. And yeah. I think we can definitely like attach that to a lot of components of, of these companies. And one of the things with, uh, you know, attaching like number goals to mm. things is like, you know, you always do that to have that that destination. Yeah. It motivates yeah. you yeah. if you think about definitely. it, right? Because you want to reach a finish and yeah. celebrate. Mm-hmm. You don't want to completely stop, obviously, but there's something that, you know, really pulls your work ethic towards it when exactly. there's a goal like yes. that. But I think the thing that might be sometimes, um, you know, I kind of overlooked about that mm-hmm. 
is that the process of reaching a high goal like that creates so much reusable infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? In order to reach like, uh, you know, like 50,000 people is like a mountain's worth of people, right? That to do that, you've got to partner with so many different organizations. You've got to help all kinds of, you know, um, I would say state-based, like community college, mm-hmm. program-based, you know, things that are outside of the Harvard, MITs of the world, mm-hmm. right? You've got to help them catch up. And you help them develop the skills, the resources, the the human development of their own educators and their capacity for educating students, right? And you reach 50K, but you leave them better off, Mm, right? And they're able to work at a greater pace now and a greater capacity beyond. So we might stop tracking after 50,000, but now every partner you work with across the country or across the world that was a part of that effort, they're now working at a faster pace and the the doors are way more open for more people in the future. Definitely. So that's with any kind of goal. And even if there's one here, hopefully to be found in Cambridge. For sure. Yeah, I mean, through all of these initiatives that are being created, we hope that they could reach this larger audience of people who may not have had that exposure. And through that, we really hope that kind of momentum spreads. And when we kind of bring it down to the level that we're talking about at the moment, when it comes to businesses helping schools, I feel like your childhood is such a developmental period in your life. And it's the make it or break it point where you're either interested in all of these amazing things, or you kind of start saying, oh, I don't think science and math are the thing for me. I don't want to pursue that in the future. And that's where we think that external kind of like influences are needed to come and really show students like what opportunities, what careers are available, Mm -hmm. but not only in high school, because Mm -hmm. it's a really stressful period for us. I mean, (laughs) we can speak on that. And yeah, I I mean, having that kind of exposure at a younger age really builds you up for a more successful future. And we talk about how, and you mentioned as well, that there's a lot of demand in the tech field right now for Mm -hmm. more employees. And we find that being able to expose students to this work and having them graduate and possibly pursue these fields, see themselves represented and being able to work in these companies right next to their homes is really, that's such an important like motivational factor that we think can solve a lot of problems. Totally. And and I think, you know, with, while realizing that the fact that you mentioned, you know, like students are stressed, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) school is hard. Um, you know, you've got social lives, you have extracurriculars, you know, other things you're passionate about outside of your studies. You know, I think by, by speaking with students and by speaking with educators as well, you know, we can't just rush in and say, all right, here's a brand new, you know, constraint or burden on the students' plates, right? We really need to understand how this can fit because we want to, you know, help you achieve those goals of having, you know, more engagement with the career side of your development from an early age. But at the same time, I don't think we can just throw things at students, Yeah. Yes. right? So we need to understand like, what are students looking for? How's it gonna balance with the other priorities of their lives? How's it gonna also support educators because mm-hmm. they have their job to do? Like they have to teach you, <laughs> yeah. they have to test you, they have to grade your homework, you know, they have to <laughs> urge you to do well in the studies as well as thinking about your long-term career prospects. So there's a lot to discuss there and hopefully we can find you know that center point that really makes it all work together yeah yeah okay so i think that we can move on to what would uh, (laughs) stakeholders including kendall square businesses so we want to ask you um what would you say to the various stakeholders including kendall square businesses cambridge public schools and city government about working together to improve the way we are being educated so what do you think we can really like create our call like like you said like our north star north star in this Mm. situation um Mm. what do you think our call to action can be for all these under one umbrella yeah, I, I well, I love just the workshop being so uh, inclusive of people in these different spaces, mm-hmm. right? It's not just saying, all right, we're going to come up with a proposal from the business side only and then just give it to you all mm-hmm. right? <laughs> or any other side. Um, I think my call to action to all these different stakeholders would be to engage, to come to the table and to come to the table really open minded because one concern I have, which is not going to stop me from coming to the table or engaging, but is that 
like using myself as an example, what if I came with my perspective, like I know what's going to work for me and what's not. Mm -hmm. And these are my boundaries and I'm not moving. Mm -hmm. Right. That's going to make it very hard because mm -hmm. coming from these different perspectives, we're going to have to, you know, give or everyone's going to have to sacrifice some kind of non-negotiable at the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. It's going to have to become negotiable because, again, we're all in different places. Like, yes, I and my colleagues have full time jobs and we're strapped for time and we have other priorities that our bosses need us to focus on and things like that, too. And educators, again, they got to focus on your studies. They have what they're held to do by, you know, the the uh, you know school board and the superintendent and whatnot. And then as students, like, mm -hmm. you better get those A's or B's or whatever, right? <laughs> like, like, if you start focusing too much on career and start slacking on the grades, like, what's really happening here? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're all going to come at it with different perspectives, at least different starting points, mm -hmm. right? And I, I would say, come the table, everyone involved, but be open and be flexible. Like, be ready to have to change your position see it from others' perspectives and say, hey, we can do that. We might not have thought we could, but we can flex and that we can do that. I think mm -hmm. that's how we're gonna get somewhere with this conversation. If we all come to it not willing to kind of change our position at the starting point, I don't know that we'll get far. Mm, yeah. No, exactly. I mean that, like you said, this isn't an easy conversation to have. I think that it's very loaded and it's an idea that has just recently kind of been exposed and like brought to everybody's attention. So really that theme of being open-minded, I think that's something that every stakeholder in this conversation can kind of keep in mind, knowing that we all have different perspectives. Maybe the things that we think about aren't quite the same. We don't have the same goals in mind. But if we start thinking about what's really at stake here and coming to the table ready to give some things up or just think about the situation from a different perspective, really from there, I think that we can move forward. Yeah. And I think even that being open-minded, I think even being malleable, I think we all have a lot to bring to the table. So how can we bring our assets and, and, and connect them together and weave them together? And I think that's something that a lot of us are struggling as Cambridge to do is that even on the program side of it, we have so much program, so much enrichment around us, but they're not connected whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And the same thing now, this is what we're trying to do when we first introduced this like very big scale at the summit in the May in may um a lot of people were just like looking at each other like like they had three eyes like you're businesses and more schools like how are we supposed to like work together you know right. so i think that even that piece of just bringing each other together and we all have a lot to offer so i always say this and i don't mean to be like the pick me of the situation but it's like we don't like to label people as the bad guys because everyone has a part to play in the solution no. as well as the problem right. so acknowledging that and then moving forward to do better i think that's going to be more productive than just saying, oh, you you did this, this is your fault, and pointing fingers. Right. So I think on that note, um, being you, you've been at Microsoft for almost like seven years now, right? Uh, six. Six, yeah. okay. So how do you think Microsoft is or is not addressing this issue or issues similar to two blocks? Yeah. Well, one way I think we are is that we actually have a program right now called TEALS. It's, a, it's an acronym and it stands for Technology, Education and Literacy in Schools. Now, it's not necessarily a career learning type of program, but it is a computer science teaching program. And what it is is that we have volunteers who are software engineers, people know how to code. They go to public high schools and they basically help high schools develop AP computer science courses for their students. Again, mm -hmm. building that reusable infrastructure mm -hmm. that then these schools and the teachers who learn how to teach those classes can keep using year after year after year and getting more students who have basically passed AP computer science, which, you know, is a, is a big help going into college. And so we do that here in Massachusetts. We it's not a, a widely scaled program. You won't find it in every single public high school. And that's mm -hmm. something we got to work on. Mm -hmm. We got to, you know, keep keep recruiting volunteers and we have to establish the partnerships with schools. In fact, that itself is a conversation mm -hmm. where it's like, yep. you know, school, where are you at in terms of, you know, teachers who are willing to teach computer science, who want to learn how to teach it, hiring those people, 
creating the space and time to develop that kind of curriculum. But, you know, when that goes well, we're able to partner with the school, find volunteers and start working with them on that. So that's one way that we are. Another is that we do like a high school kind of summer camp program where I think we might have had a few from um, CLRS as well this past year. But basically, we just do like a coding like week with them and mm -hmm. they get they work with like real Microsoft professionals, good friends of mine work on this program and they get taken through like a just kind of build a game type process in a mm -hmm. week with lots mm -hmm. of mentorship, lots of Q&A sessions. And it's, it's a really awesome program. I think one way that, you know, we could definitely, you know, continue to try to do better and, and I would say this for, for lots of companies, and it kind of goes back to that CSR place where most companies are. A lot of companies invest in these initiatives by hiring like a dedicated small team of people, giving them a budget and like just you know using that money in however they do, you know, investing that back into the community. I think an untapped resource in, in Microsoft and a lot of their companies is just the sheer volume of employees we have. Right. We have so many, you know, professional, talented, experienced people who are using that for our business and our business model and their specific roles, but they could be directed outwards as well. Right. Um, and there isn't like a broad call to action, like an expectation, like, hey, everyone, we're all expected to do this. Right. We have those kinds of calls to action, like like internal things where it's like everyone's expected to do their job, you know, do their reviews, make sure you you hit these, you know, buckets on the bucket list for your job. But if that was also turned outward and say, hey, everyone's got to go and serve in some way. Right. And then we had an initiative where, hey, we need to work with all of CLRS or with a K through 12 system. Right. That requires a lot of people. Right? Mm -hmm. That was a lot of students. Mm -hmm. And so that would make it a lot easier, I think, to find the the, the human power, mm -hmm. right, to, the, to then go and like serve that big a community. And if we did that across companies, even better, even more scalable. So I'd say that's where we should also start thinking is how do we really leverage this huge untapped resource for achieving these, you know, CSV, CSR, whatever they are, but achieving these collaborative community oriented initiatives, right? If it's just me and a small team, <laughs> it's gonna go a lot slower. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you said, this is really a loaded task. So I think yeah. that it really takes the work of not only a small group of people, but people who are united about the cause and really want to work towards what we're standing for to kind of come together and work on this issue as a whole. So I think that, like you said, I mean, everything you mentioned when it comes to being able to like use that untapped resource and create this like as you said reusable infrastructure and make sure that you're creating these initiatives that can help people moving forward. Yeah. I think that's really one of the like through line goals of two blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like even that untapped like talent, but not talent, like what you have. I think that's super important because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the time we're, we're always like digging for the solution, even though it's right in front of us. Yes. And I think that's something that I always say is that Cambridge is always trying to reinvent the wheel and the wheel has already been invented <laughs> all over the planet. So if we just look, there's so many different things that like, even through our research in two blocks, we've seen like how much initiatives that are very similar to what we're trying to do all across the country and all across the globe. So if we just dial in and focus in what, how other people are doing it and that scale that to our city and our needs, mm -hmm. I think that will be much more productive than trying to reset. But right. here, the difference is in two <laughs> blocks, we're resetting the thing because that has not been done at all within yeah. our city. Mm -hmm. So I think even that is just we have students, we have demand within the students who who, who really want to do something and and want to pursue a career um, and just need that like need that opportunity right. so if we just and even like you mentioned like the businesses like it's not like we need to hire all these new people they're right there mm -hmm. if we and i think that's another thing is just like a lot of the time we always want to have a monetary like band-aid for everything mm -hmm. like i'm just gonna throw all this money which is great money helps mm -hmm. to an extent <laughs> But also time, time like just uh, like allocating a small amount of time in your employee schedule or work week and saying, yeah. oh, just go visit this classroom or go help right. this teacher out with this lesson. I think that's very powerful, even totally. as small as it as it may sound. It's powerful. Yeah. I so mean, we, we yeah. have hundreds of employees based in the area. Right. And if, you know, an hour from 
300 employees, right? <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. one employee a week, it covers a year. Yeah, it and, does. and it doesn't have to be just that kind of, you know, schedule or frequency, but you can condense it. You can get so much out of that, mm -hmm. right? If there was like more of a kind of like a bit of a mandate, mm -hmm. like, hey, like, let's all get in this together. Yeah. Like, this will go so much better for all like a team working on it. So we don't have that mandate. But uh, we're definitely working on kind of building that awareness among the broader set of our employees so that hopefully they all want to be put to use in that way, put to a great service. Yeah, so I think it's time that we move on to the final question okay. that we will be using to wrap up our conversation <laughs> today. And we've been talking about how a lot of people have the intent to do something to solve this issue, but so it's really hard to kind of see that moving forward. Mm. And we wanted to ask you from the business community, what's holding us back from being able to move forward and kind of make sure that the goal of two blocks is being implemented instead of kind of kept in this box and being yeah. stashed away. Yeah. You know, I, I have a penchant for action mm. and being in the DNI, the corporate DNI space. Um, I often feel like we talk too much mm. and I'll probably get some criticism for that. <laughs> but um, I've been parts of so many conversations of committees, of councils, and I've heard the same things over and over and the same good intentions, mm. right? Um, but where do they go? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like there's almost um, a hesitation to really commit to an action and, and there's probably like a lot of underlying reasons for that. I don't think it's always just that people, the people that you know I'm talking to or involved in these conversations are themselves unwilling, but there may be a lack of support mm -hmm. that they're receiving, right? They, there may be, they may be trying to move mountains, you know, for their own companies on these conversations in order to then show up ready to take action and have the resources to. Um, but either way, I think we need to talk with the goal of getting to the action, <laughs> right? Yeah. That needs to be priority. And, and that's something I'm always looking for. And even the workshops that, that we're doing on CSV is what are our next steps, mm. right? Like, how are we going to put this into more of a broader plan and then work down that plan, like actually make progress on it towards a goal, right? Um, and I think that's, that's one of the areas we need to get to. What's holding us back is probably just keeping ourselves from getting more action oriented in our mindset and having that energy for it too. That takes an energy. You almost don't need any kind of energy just to talk. It's like mm -hmm. I can just show up, say a few things and leave and there's no accountability, right? But you need to have that, that desire and that drive to really um, you know, figure out what are we going to do? How are we gonna take these ideas and these perspectives and then form that into a plan and be willing to not be a perfectionist about it, right? Um, really be willing to, to allow certain things to potentially fail, but to learn from them, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, like the, the, the enemy of that is, is in action, right? Mm -hmm. Without action, we won't get anywhere on it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's worse to kind of stall than it is to try something that might potentially fail. So I think that's a huge part of it too. You know, hopefully we can kind of break through some of those log jams and, mm -hmm. and also just, you know, companies do get kind of myopic about what their specific, you know, what am I doing for the community? Mm -hmm. It's like, great, if everyone's doing something different, we're not doing something collective mm -hmm. that amounts to bigger scale and impact. So we kind of need to see uh, a little bit more collaboration across the business community to say like, hey, let's show up together. Mm -hmm. and do this, right? It's one thing for Microsoft to say, yeah, we can host the uh, thousands of students at Microsoft <laughs> like for tours and whatnot. That might overrun our facilities, right? But if we're working with every company in Kendall Square to do that, right? And we can share that out, that becomes a lot more feasible. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think that's an amazing point that you brought up is just like collaboration. And that's something that we always are, are really, again, a pillar of two blocks is collaboration, really uniting everyone and, and connecting. And I think on that note as well, is just we always talk about the notion of walking your talk mm -hmm. and how much of our, are we walking our talk? We can talk all day long, like you <sighs> said, and make all these promises and, and say we're going to do this work. But then at the end of the day, it's not done or it's not completed to the best of its ability. So I think that's something that we're like proactively trying to combat is just yeah you can and and we're dealing with this now is that after all these meetings it's like the so what 
people are attending, people are getting the mm-hmm. message, but so what? What are you using? Yeah. How are you using this information right. to to do better and and to connect and and to do your part? So I think that's something that again we're trying to combat and and trying to bring awareness to is that yes, we want you to be involved and we want to help you and guide you and, and and unite as one. But at the same time, you really need to commit and you need to that commitment piece is huge yeah. because you can show up to these meetings and say that you support us and we love you for that. But then you need to you need to really just you need to follow through. And I think that's something I'm not trying to like call anyone out, but it's just like. <laughs> Like walk your talk, you know, that's the bare minimum. And I think that's even just very like contradicting of what we're talking about. We're talking about businesses not wanting to connect and schools not wanting to connect with businesses. So to deteriorate that problem is just connect. That's it. That's all we're asking. So that's just something that I really like echoed through what you said. I'm sure as, you know, as members of Innovators for Purpose, whenever you design installation, you probably go through a process. Mm, Yes. And there are probably different opinions. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. All the time. (laughs) I I haven't been in the room myself, obviously, but um, you go from taking a bunch of different ideas and you you drive it through mm-hmm. until it becomes a design. Exactly. And mm-hmm. something you can take action on, right? That is innovating, right? It's taking your idea that wasn't a real thing before <laughs> and now it's making it that thing. It's yeah. taking the actions to do that. So, you know, unfortunately for a lot of adults, we need to be able to get over that hill too, mm-hmm. right? And past just the ideation stage mm-hmm. where it's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, how can we like put this together and decide on something to really build? Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it's about turning our words into something tangible and something that we could use for our benefit. And like you said, walking our talk, I mean, that's really all we want people to do. We want them to kind of take what we've been trying to kind of spread awareness about and make sure that their words are driven to impact and our words are driven to impact. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think I think this episode is coming to a wrap. Um, but do you guys have any last words or comments you want to make? Feel free. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm supremely grateful um, to you. be, you know, just involved in supporting Innovators for Purpose. Thank you for inviting me to this conversation. It's definitely not my last. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. For of course, for and sure. I, I wholeheartedly support what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I really hope to see uh, a really large kind of collaboration among the business community with all the other stakeholders in Cambridge and just for the benefit of this community, for right? Sure. I think that kind of big, bold change is needed. And, yeah. and that's what's going to get us through this. Definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, Ashley, we thank you so much mm-hmm. for being here. We were really excited to talk to you. Yeah. And yeah, thank you again for coming. And this is not the last conversation we will have. So we hope to see you all soon. Thank you.